And so Mark chapter 8, verse 22. When you're ready, say, I'm ready. Here is the word of the Lord. It says, and they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and he led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Last week, we kind of got into this portion of this message. Just in the middle of my message, just kind of brought it out. And this week, the Lord was just dealing with me on it. He said, bring it back and let's kind of go through it together. Jesus has been doing these crazy miracles. He is known now. Everywhere he goes, people take notice. And he walks into this city and these people bring him a blind man. And I love the faith of his friends because the Bible says the blind man didn't get to him himself, but his friends brought him. And when he gets there, Jesus grabs his hand, leads him out of the city, and he takes him into this abandoned area and he spits on his eyes. (laughs) Isn't it amazing how what offends people doesn't often offend God? And he spits on his eyes and he lays his hands on him. And then he asked him, do you see anything? And we pick it up in verse 24. And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly, and he sent him to his home, saying, do not even enter the village. I want to drive you up in the text and land on verse 25 of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. It says, then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again. He opened his eyes, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. I want to title this message this morning, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. Would you join me for a moment of prayer? Father, we thank you for the moments we share. Thank you uh, that you're here. Without you, this is just a motivational speech. Without you, this is just literature. But because you're here, something supernatural can happen. And so remove any hindrances of our attention or our focus for the next 30 minutes. Let us see you for who you really are. Pray for my friends here that are new to church, feel like, ah, this isn't my thing. God, I pray that they would feel your safety before they feel anything else. And so we love you. Do what only you can do in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Turn to somebody and say, the rain is gone. No obstacles in my way. Come on. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I love movies. I'm kind of a movie guy, just something about watching movies, whatever kind of movie it is. uh, It just kind of stirs my emotions. I'm sure some of you are like this. You have a certain type of movie you like to watch, something you see on TV, and just something about the music and the characters and the plot and just everything kind of pulls out this beauty in me. Call me deep if you like, but I just like movies. One of the movies that I uh, never could really understand uh, was Frozen. So my wife and I go to Disneyland, and they have this live action uh, theater performance of Frozen. And the first time I saw it, I was excited. You know, I'm like, oh, this is probably going to be cool. Never saw the movie before. I bet you didn't think you were going to hear Frozen references in church, huh? Sorry. Um, Never heard the movie, never saw the movie before, never really understood the movie. So it's my first time when we're in the theater. And, And when I watch movies, I always try to, like, relate to one of the characters. Like, I'm always like, oh, that's me right there. You know, and so the story starts off, and, and I don't, still don't know what's going on, so I can't tell you anything. But there is this uh, character. One of them is uh, Prince Hans, and Prince Hans comes in and kind of sweeps one of the princesses off her feet, and they fall in love. And I'm like, yeah, I'm Prince Hans. I'm like singing to my wife. Don't even know the words. I'm just trying to sing to her in the theater. She's like, shh, stop. 
and I'm watching Prince Hans, and I just right away, I gravitated towards his character. And then there's a part in the movie, spoiler alert, uh, where Prince Hans is actually bad, and the whole time, like, he was playing games. And there's another guy, his name's Kristoff, and so the moment that Prince Hans was bad, I was like, nah, that's not me anymore. I'm not Prince Hans. I'm actually Kristoff. Weird, but have you ever, like, watched something and you identify with somebody? Chances are when we're watching a movie or reading a story, we often identify with the good person first. Like how many times you watch a movie that has a villain and you're like, oh, yeah, that's me stealing money from everybody. You, you know what I'm saying? Like you're always Robin Hood. You're always doing what's right. You're always doing things to help others. There's something interesting about reading the Bible, though, because if we approach the Bible and we look to be the best character, we're probably going to miss what the whole point of the book is. When I read the Gospel of Mark, I see a lot of characters. And I used to read the Bible and just like Prince Hans, try to find the best looking one or the one that has the most strength or the one that does the most good. But I read the story in Mark chapter 8. I am not the friends that brought the blind man to Jesus. I am not the crowd gathering around waiting to see what's going to happen. I'm not even Jesus trying to help a blind person. But the truth of the matter is I am the blind person. If you want to get the most out of the Bible, you often have to associate yourself with the weakest character in the story and then kind of work your way up. You know what I'm saying? Don't go into a story and say, oh, I'm the healer. I'm the, I'm the hero. You always want to start with, man, I'm, I'm probably that blind guy. And in terms of spiritual sight, I think all of us have been blind at times in our lives. The Bible talks about sight in a very interesting way. We all know the scripture in 2 Corinthians where it says we walk by faith and not by sight naturally, we don't walk by what we see. But spiritually, there is something special about seeing God for who he actually is, okay? There is a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to show it to you, and I'll give you a couple thoughts here. But look what the Bible says about the devil. This is the God of this world is referred to as the enemy, the adversary, the devil, Satan, whatever you want to call him, el diablo, whatever it is, okay? <laughs> Verse 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from what? seeing. So everything in this world, the devil, the enemy, he wants to keep you from seeing something. If he can get you twisted on what you're seeing, if he can get you to see a good thing as a bad thing, if he can get you to look at someone that wants to help you and all of a sudden you're like, well, what do they really want? What's their agenda? If he can get you to look at something the wrong way, he can change your whole life. So we see that the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. There's something in the text today, Mark chapter 8, that we got to see. Something that Jesus wants to show us, okay? I, I, I'm trying to get away from just feelings in church, okay? I love feelings. I love emotions. I love going to churches, and I love the different expresses of churches. I love hearing a worship song, and oh, man, giving me goosebumps. You know what I mean? I like crying. I just, I love that stuff. But if you come to church just for the feeling, and you never want to leave seeing something, you might have missed the whole point. Okay, consider Sunday mornings your prescription eye doctor. You come in one way, you get a look at something, and you leave seeing differently. Okay, in the, in the Gospel of Mark, it's interesting. The Mark is only 15, 16 chapters long. It's the smallest of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you're familiar with scriptures, there's four Gospels. Matthew, he's a tax collector. Okay, Matthew's gospel is very long. He writes about all the details, the genealogy. He writes about all this extra stuff because, you know, he's a numbers guy. Like, he just numbers. I got to make sure I get all the details. Uh, uh, Mark is actually written by Peter, and we all know Peter. Peter had John Mark pen it for him. Mark is the quickest gospel. 
Mark literally will take you from chapter one to chapter two and you are already like a year into Jesus's ministry. Doesn't really give you a lot of the background. He just wants to get you to the death, the resurrection, the burial and all that kind of stuff. So he's hurrying through the text. Luke is a doctor. And so all the physical miracles of Jesus are recorded in Luke because again, he wants to see proof. And then uh, John is the youngest of the writers. He writes 40, 50 years later after all three of those gospel writers. So he just has a whole different view of it. Okay, someone say teach. Okay, imagine uh, four people standing on a corner and they see a car accident. One person that's standing on this side sees it from one angle. The other person on that side sees it from another angle. All four of them see the same thing, but they see it differently. That's what the four gospels are. It's four guys looking at the life of Jesus saying, here's what I saw about him. Well, I noticed this about him. Well, I kind of thought about, I should write about this. So we're talking about the same Jesus in four different perspectives. Okay, you with me? Okay, so when Mark writes, he is the only writer that mentions this story. He is the only gospel writer that says, man, remember that blind guy that he spit on his face? I want to talk about that. Something about Peter. Remember, it's Peter telling John Mark, write this out. He says, something about him spit on the face. There's something there for me. There's something about seeing this text that helps us today. Let me give you a couple thoughts about why we don't see something. Okay, a couple reasons why we don't see something. Four things, skepticism, idleness, comfort, and ignorance. Here is why we can't see something. Okay, I'm gonna go one by one. There's skepticism. The skeptic that can't see looks at something and goes, I'm not so sure. Like, I don't really know. Stops them from seeing. Then there's idleness. There are the people that kind of, they're just in the same spot. They're not really doing anything with their life. They know they got to do something, but they're kind of like, I'll get to it later. Like, I know I should be in church, or I know I should, you know, read my Bible, or I know I should, you know, get some friends. I just, I, I'll get to it later. And then there's comfort. Then there's the person that knows something should change, but they say, I'm fine with how things are. I don't need to see anything differently. I'm seeing what I want to see, and that's all that matters. And then there is those who carry ignorance that say, I don't even know how it should be. I want to see it, but I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, I didn't grow up in church, and so when I first started coming to church, I would get into the settings, and I would just not understand what was happening. And eventually, I would get so frustrated with not understanding what was being said that I would just give up. And I'd be like, ah, church is not for me. This is too confusing. This is too hard. People are just looking at me, smiling at me. Some people are hugging me. Some people are high-fiving me. This is just different. I don't, I don't like this. Never let what you don't understand stop you from trying to get better. Just because you don't understand how something works doesn't mean you just don't try. There's a lot of things I don't understand about marriage still. It's been four, four and a half, almost five years, y'all. And some of you that have been married a long time, you can agree. I don't think there's ever a point where you understand all of marriage. But the whole point is you want to keep going, keep getting better, keep going forward. So I want to look at Mark chapter 8 for the moments that we share uh, that remain and just kind of give you some ideas about how to see something clearly. How do I see what God is showing me in my life? How do I see what he's showing me in my friendships? How do I see what he's showing me in my business ideas? How do I see what he's showing me in my retirement plan or what my grandkids are going to do? Whatever your context of life is, God wants to show you something today, okay? So let me give you five things about how to see something clearly. Number one, write this down. First thing to do is you have to let people help you. Let people help you. you having fun yet? Okay. <laughs> something about our culture loves to do things on our own, don't we? 
We love to figure things out on our own. We love to get through things on our own. God forbid we're in need, we would actually ask someone for help. And what we often do is, well, I'm not going to bother them with this because, you know, there's people that don't have anything. I got to get some gratitude in my life. I'm not even going to ask for help. I should be able to figure this out. And while there may be some truth and some philosophies to that, I think if you're in need, first thing you got to do is let someone help. Let someone pray for you. I love our campus here because we have so many people that just come up to me and just say, can I pray for you? Had someone grab me before service, just walked up in the spirit talking to me. I'm like, what in the, oh, oh my gosh. And just, she just starts praying over me, declaring things over me, speaking life over me. Never want to get to a place where I'm like, I got this. You don't need to pray for me. I need to pray for you. Never want to get to that point. Look at verse 22. We're going to go verse by verse through this today. It says this, and they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. Keep that verse up there. You see that this man was in need, and at some point, he let his friends bring him to Jesus. Okay? There are people in your life that will never get to Jesus unless you're willing to bring them. There are people that will never step foot in a church unless you're willing to say, come on, I'll come with you. There are people that say, I'll never want to read my Bible unless you say, hey, I'll text you every morning the verse that I'm reading. Let's do it together. Okay, in a spiritual sense, we all need help. Now watch this. After you've helped somebody, there is more than just helping them, though, isn't there? It says this. They brought him a blind man and begged him to touch him. So they didn't just bring the man to Jesus. But they brought him and then they begged Jesus. Okay, think about this. You can bring someone to church. You can say, hey, come to church with me. It's going to be great. But there's a difference when you bring someone to church and then you start praying for that person. There's a difference when you bring somebody and when you beg for somebody, okay? I don't know about you, but there's times when I'm in prayer and just people's minds come, like people come to my mind. Like just be in prayer, just be walking around my house. Thank you, Father, for this day, going through my, my whole thing with God. And then just someone will pop up on my mind out of nowhere. And I'm just like, God, get them out of here. Like I'm focused on this. And I feel like sometimes God puts people in our minds because in that moment, you are the only one that can make an impact in their life. So if someone comes on your mind, text them, call them, do a nice post about them on Facebook, do something in that moment that doesn't just bring them, but shows God, I'm willing to beg for them too. I'm willing to carry them as one of my own. Okay. There comes a point when we have to let people help us. I know it's hard. We gotta let people help us. Here's the second one. Not only should we let people help us to see things clearly, you have to let Jesus hold you. Let Jesus hold you. Verse 23, they bring this blind man to him and it says, and he took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? In this verse, my wife will tell you, there is so much revelation that I couldn't even get out of verse 23 last night. I was just sitting there at my table and I'm like, wait a minute, hold on, look at this, babe, look at this. What about this? What about that? And so I'm gonna throw a couple ideas at you and we'll kind of work through it together, okay? A lot of people ask me like, how do you read the Bible? How do you stuff about I slow down. When I find a verse like this, I go, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a lot going on that could probably be for my life here, okay? So let's start with the first thing. The Bible says he takes the blind man by the what? By the hand. You remember the first time you held hands with somebody? 
Like you remember your first girlfriend, first boyfriend, or maybe you just friend. Some, something, remember that first feeling when you just grabbed their hand and you were like, oh my gosh, do they like me? Do they not like me? We're holding hands. Something intimate about that. Um, you ever like be in a circle with somebody and say, okay, let's all hold hands. And then the person next to you does the interlock. <laughs> and you're kind of looking at them like, bro, that's reserved for my wife. She's the only one that gets the interlock. You ever walk into a room before and it's dark and you're looking for the light switch? What do you use to try to find it? Your hands. There's something very intimate about the hands, okay? Not just anybody can grab your hand and it, and it not do anything to you. When someone grabs your hand, if they grab it really tight, you'll wonder what's wrong. If they grab it really slow and gentle, you'll say, well, what is this about? You know what I'm saying? So there's something intimate about the hands. There's a reason why Jesus didn't grab his shoulder. He grabbed his hand because he says, you're not going to get the healing you want until you're first willing to be intimate with me. Until I can grab a place that you use to feel everything else. Because when Jesus touches what you used to feel everything else, how many know what you start to feel feels a lot differently? <laughs> if he can get my hand in prayer, if he can get to my hand in worship, why do we say lift our hands? We lift our hands because we're saying we want Jesus to touch us intimate. We want him to get into our lives. We want him to see something about us that we've been hiding from everybody else. There is an intimacy to the hand. So he takes him by the hand and then look at this. It says, and he leads him out of the village. Now this is fascinating. Why didn't he just heal him in the village? Why not just, he's Jesus. Why not just do it right where he was sick? But it's amazing because sometimes it's frustrating but sometimes we want the answer in the same environment that we got the problem. So, so we say, I want healing, Jesus, but we're still hanging around sickness. I want to be cleansed, Jesus, but you're still rolling around in the mud. So what he has to do is he has to remove you from an environment so he can heal you. How many of us are frustrated with God saying, you haven't done it yet? And he says, well, you're not willing to leave. Because you can't get the answer in the same environment that you got the problem. You're not going to get health out of a dysfunctional relationship. You're not going to get joy around negative people. It's not that, oh, I'm better than you. I got to get out of here. It's no, I need to survive. I got to do this for myself. So he says, I got to get you out of the village. Now, so interesting. This village was called Bethsaida. And, and the thing about Bethsaida is it had actually been cursed by Jesus. Jesus had actually at one point, Matthew chapter 11, he says, woe to you, Bethsaida. And he talks about how he had done miracles in Bethsaida and people had got healed in Bethsaida, but nobody was really moved by it. Jesus would go into a city, he would do miracles and everybody would be like, this is the son of God. Oh my gosh, we've got to follow him. When he would go to Bethsaida, they would say, oh, here comes that, that, carpenter, that carpenter's son. Oh, okay, look, okay, you did a little miracle. That's cool, that's cool. You can leave now, we're good. Notice Bethsaida wasn't the people that arrested him, crucified him. They, they didn't mock him. They just neglected him. See, neglecting Jesus is just as bad as criticizing Jesus. That's deep, huh? Get around people that are like, oh, I got nothing bad to say about God. Well, is he God? Well, you know, he's just whatever. He's a good teacher. And in the mind of God, that's the same thing. Jesus says, you're going to neglect me? I'm not going to do another miracle in this city. Let's go out to the wilderness. Because I would rather get more faith in the wilderness when no one's watching than do something fake with some people that don't believe it when everyone's watching. 
He says, I'm going to get them out, and I'm going to take them out here, and I'm going to do this miracle out there. It's a dangerous place to be when Jesus doesn't want to do miracles in your city anymore. It's a dangerous place when years go by and people say, man, we just haven't really felt revival. Nothing's really happened. Yeah, we're just here, you know, it's just, we're going through the motions. Not a lot. It's a dangerous place to be. Could be because we have neglected the person of Jesus. So let Jesus hold you. Verse 23, let's go back to it. It says, he took the blind man by the hand and he led him what? Led him out, out. Everyone see this? Led him out. That, I want Jesus to bring me in. I want Jesus to take me in to this great place. Bring me in. I want to break through. I want to raise. I want a promotion. I want to be brought in. But something about the gospel is you can't get in until you first get out. So are we as uh, excited to be led out of a season as we are to be led into a season? Because what you said yes to yesterday, you might have to say no to today. He took the blind man by the hand. He led him out of the village. And here it is, when he spit on his eyes. How many people have been waiting for this part right here? Because I'm trying to still figure this out, y'all. But... I was reading this, and there's something interesting about spit in ancient days, okay? A lot of ancients believed that there was healing in spit. Not even just followers of Jesus, but in other uh, Greek gods and all the kind of, you know, people in the Roman days and ancient days and all that stuff, they believed that there was healing in spit. This is why, like today, when you cut your finger, how many times do you just put it in your mouth? It just eases the pain. And so Jesus is doing a miracle in a way this man would have understood. And I love that about God. He's considerate of us. He does things in a way that we can grasp. He doesn't do things all the time and we're like, we don't know how it happened. He does things. He goes, wow, I mean, this makes sense. I I tithed and then this happened. Okay, I kind of get it. And so what he does is he comes up to the man. He spits. doesn't say he spits on his hand and then, you know, wipes in his. It literally says he spits. Like when I get to heaven, I want to talk to this guy or somebody that was around. But blindness in those days, sometimes you were born blind. Other times you would literally catch a disease that would cause your eyes to swell shut. People's hygiene were so bad in biblical days and antiquity that you would get a sickness and then your eyes would swell shut that you couldn't even open them anymore. And so when Jesus, most commentators say when Jesus spit on his eyes, the spit would have actually started to soften up the eyes for them to be opened. Sometimes in our faith, God has to soften us before he heals us, okay? It's not always an overnight sensation. Sometimes you hear a story like Alberto's and you go, okay, yeah, maybe I should sign up for freedom groups, okay. The first time you heard it for two weeks, you're probably like, ah, that's not for me. But you heard something today, kind of softened you up. And now he's starting to get ready for a, a healing in your life. That's what happens when we let Jesus hold us. There's so much more there. I just can't get to it. So you got to let Jesus hold you. Number three, third thing you got to do if you want to see clearly is you got to get planted and postured. Get planted and postured. After he spits on his eyes, he, he prays for him. He lays his hands on him and then he asks him, do you see anything? I, I love the heart of Jesus here. He's, he's inquisitive. He's asking, like, do you see it? What do you think? Are you there? the story about him and this woman at a well they're having this conversation and and she's just like well you know you do what you want to do he's just having this conversation with her and he just keeps asking questions okay what about this can can you give me some water what about this where do you worship it's a bunch of questions I love God because he's okay with questions he himself asks us questions when he knows the answer 
But he wants us to be okay with questions. He says, do you see anything? And then he says this in verse 24. He says, and he looked up and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. In other words, I haven't been healed immediately, but I see something. This is the only miracle in the Bible that doesn't happen immediately, okay, through the hands of Jesus, in the Gospels, I should say. Okay, Old Testament, we see some stuff. But in, in the Gospels, the four Gospels, this is the only time Jesus does a miracle, and it doesn't happen right away. He, does it, he, he prays for him. He says, do you see anything? He says, kind of. It's gradual. It's not like overnight, right away, you should get it. It's a step, okay? There's a lot of pressure from church to people sometimes. You should get this. You should figure this out. Why haven't you been in church in so long? What do you know about, we put this pressure on people. We say, what do you mean you don't know John 3.16? I mean, what do you mean you don't know about Noah? You know, and we put this pressure on people not knowing that even Jesus lets them take steps. Jesus says, there's someone that came today. Some of you came today. It's your first time. This is your first step. Just come into church. No one in this room is going to say, oh, this is only your first time? Imagine if you went to a church like that. This is my first time today. Oh, that's it? And this is my last time, too. I ain't coming back, you know? But there's something about the gradual miracle here that just helps my soul. When I beat myself up, when I feel like I should be better, when I feel like I should figure it out by now, there's something in Jesus that says, do you see anything? I, say, I see a little bit. He says, I can see people, so that's good. But these people don't look like normal people. They look like trees and trees that are walking, okay? This is where the planted comes in. If you want to see things, you can't be a tree that's just walking. You have to be a tree that's planted in one place, okay? There are a lot of people today that want the benefits of being planted but don't want to go deep enough with their roots to be planted, I want all the stuff that comes with being here 20, 30 years, but I'm only interested in being here maybe one year. There's something special about planting your roots and saying, man, I don't get it yet, but I'm here and I'm staying here and I'm not going anywhere. Just something about being planted. Psalm chapter one says it like this. It says, speaking of us, speaking of a believer of God, it says he shall be like a tree, what? Planted. Your life with God should be like a tree planted. And not just planted anywhere, but planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also does not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. That's good Bible right there. I like that. Okay, let's look at this. It says if you, you want to see something clearly, you have to get planted. And don't just get planted anywhere, but get planted by the rivers of water. Okay, I wish I had a picture to show you, but many of us, you've probably seen this. There are something like when there is a river, you often see trees planted like right there next to the water. And sometimes you actually see the roots out of the ground going down into the water. And the principle here is when you are planted close enough to the water, you don't need things from the outside to keep you going because everything you need is being pulled from the river. Okay. All the gardeners in the building know that if you were to grow something in a pot, it's a lot different than actually planting it in the ground. When you grow something in a pot, you have to constantly add nutrients to it. You have to water it, make sure it gets sunlight, just like in a garden. But you have to add different things to the pot to cultivate this garden. But when a plant is actually in the ground, it pulls from what's already there. Okay, 
you can listen to all the podcasts, preaching, sermons in the world. I love sermons. I listen to them all the time. Three or four a week, I just listen to different people. I'm always pulling stuff from different places. But if I wasn't planted in this house and I didn't know our pastor and I didn't know the heart of destiny, I wouldn't know who I am. I would be listening to one person. I'd be like, well, I kind of want to preach like T.D. Jakes. Maybe I should be T.D. Jakes. You know what I'm saying? You know, just kind of, you know, get, I'm not doing it. But, you know, like just all that kind of stuff. And oh, maybe I should preach like this person. He's funny. Like maybe I should just be a comedian. If I wasn't planted, I wouldn't know who I was. I, I want us to be a place where people can get planted. I want us to be a place where people can say, man, just something about this place wants me to stay. I just feel like I, I belong here. There's something here that's just pulling goodness out of me. I, I, I want our church to be a, a place where people can gather and they can receive what they need. And then they can continue to live their life. You shall be like a, plea, a, a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither. That's great. You're getting enough from God your leaves, what covers, what keeps, the sh keeps things shady, keeps things from being burned up, that won't waste. You will not have a season where you're not covered when you're connected to the river. You will not have a season where you don't understand or, or where you're just like frustrated when you're connected to the source, okay? I was talking to a young couple a couple weeks ago and my wife and I were talking, so how, you know, how's everything going? Da, 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 and everything's good, you know, she's doing this and you know, well, he's doing that. And you know, they're like going back and forth like, okay, so we kind of split and, and we're talking separately. I'm talking to the guy. I'm like, man, so like, how's your relationship with God? Man, it's fine. I'm reading my Bible. Everything's great. But I'm telling you, she is the problem. So I'm like, hold on a second. What do you mean you're reading the Bible? Well, you know, I got this thing on my phone. It comes in, and I, do, I, I got that. My relationship with God is good. But she's the, and I start going, wait a second. If your relationship with God was good, how is this the output of your life? I think you're just trying to add nutrients on top of what you've already established instead of planting yourself by the river. And when you plant yourself by the river, you suck up that goodness, and you can't go off on somebody after you've tasted the goodness of God. I can't stand grumpy Christians. Your God, the living God died for you. You're talking about it's a bad day. I'm, I'm, not, I'm okay with a bad day every now and then. You know, I'm not going to be mad if you have a bad day. Like, I understand it. But, like, five years? Do you know Jesus loves you? Like, I, there's a lot of stuff I wish I had. There all the time, man, oh, if we did this, we could do this. If we had this, we could do that. All the time I'm thinking like that. But if Jesus were to come back today, are we going to say, hold on, Jesus, wait till I get my stuff? No. I want to live like I'm planted by the river. I want to live like even when people are throwing bad stuff at me, I'm still taking in good stuff from him. Someone can come and chop away my branches. If I got enough water coming through me, I'm going to grow some new ones. If I stay planted, if I stay postured in his presence, I'm committed. Changes who I am. He says, what do you see? Because I see people like trees walking. May the church not be a place where trees walk. Maybe a place where trees are planted. So I want to see clearly, I got to get planted, got to get into a group, got to get around some people, got to, got to eat lunch with my coworkers, got to try, got to reach out, I got to try. I at least got to try. 
I might not click with someone right away. I mean, our life group pastor will tell you, we have many people that go to a group once and then they call them. They're like, hey, it really wasn't my thing. He's like, all right, well, we got another one. Let's, you know, let me connect you with this person. Never feel pressured to fit right in. We, we got options here. We just want you to try. So I got to get planted, got to get postured. Number four, as I get ready to close, number four, get an again in your spirit. Get an again. Get an again. I was tongue twisting trying to say this last night. Get an again. Get an again in your spirit. He says, what do you see? I see people like trees walking. Verse 25. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again. The perfect son of God did a miracle. It didn't happen right away, so he tried again. Jesus, Jesus Christ, the son of God, the perfect man did something and it didn't go exactly how it should have and then he tried again. He even tried again. There's this idea in scriptures that when you're patient with something, it produces hope in you. Bible talks about it, Romans 15, it says, you know, let us have perseverance and perseverance produces hope and hope endurance and all this kind of stuff. The, the principle here is just because it happens once doesn't mean that's enough. One song isn't enough. Imagine if we came up here, just did one song and then, all right, let's get ready. Be like, wait a minute, that's not enough. I want more. Go to In-N-Out Burger. Come on, you never want the normal fries. Gotta have animal style fries. I want more. Everything about our natural life desires more, but then there's this place in the spirit where we say, I'm good. I'm, I, got, I got it. Just one, one thing a day or just one service. Just, let me just try it. There's something about God telling us, if you try again, I'll do something again. A lot of times we're waiting on God and God's waiting on us. So he comes up to the blind man. He says, what do you see? I see people like trees. They're walking. He lays hands on him again. And it says this. He opened his eyes. His sight was recovered. And he saw everything clearly. Beck, can you join me on the keys? I'm going to get ready to close here. It says he laid his hands on his eyes and he opened his eyes. When he did it the second time, his eyes opened. At one point, he was confused. Didn't understand it. It didn't make sense. There was, something, there was something about it that wasn't clear. And in between clutter and clarity was the word again. Let's try this again. Clutter. I don't get it, Billy. I don't understand it. I don't know why they did this. I don't, I don't get this. this is, I don't, I'm confused. Okay. You want to be over here where you're like, oh, I get it. I'm so thankful I went through that. I'm so thankful that that didn't work out because if I would have known now, would I, if I would have known this then, something would have been different. There's a clarity about the spirit where you're just like, I get it. But in between, I'm confused and I can see clearly now is the word again. Try again, believe again, speak again, pray again, ask again. We've been in a season uh, as a campus where we are just, we're just, we're just out there, man. Just every other week, we're looking at different properties and talking to people in the city and just looking at all this stuff. And where does God see Destiny South Bay? You know, I'm talking to my friend. Uh, he's the campus pastor at Saddleback Church, Pastor Sam Yoon. And, and I'm like, Pastor Sam, like, 
what, like, where would you look for a location? Where does Saddleback want to be? And he's like, well, you know, we're here, we're there. And a couple weeks ago, I was talking to the Rock Manhattan Beach, Pastor Kurt Beeson, and was having coffee with him, just asking questions. He's been here four years leading that church up there in Manhattan Beach. Pastor Kurt, let me ask you, do you ever see yourself getting a location? What should I be looking for in a location? So we're looking at all these locations, going in here, looking at that, looking at that. And every now and then, I think we've looked at like 15. And every now and then, people are just like, all right, this is, is this the one? And just something in me is just like, nah, I don't know. And then when I look at something and I'm like, this is the one. Someone on our team is like, this ain't us. After so many times, you start to get frustrated. They're like, who cares then? I might as well just rent a room at the Marriott and we're going to live here. <laughs> but there's an again in our spirit that says, you know what? If people are saying that, it might be right then. Well, this isn't our time. This isn't our season. That's okay. I got an again on Saturday night in my spirit. I lay down Saturday night. I said, I got an again in my spirit. God's going to speak again. God's going to breathe again. It might not be how I want it. It might not be the time I want it, but I'm going to keep going to him. I want to be the type of Christian that just gets frustrating because I don't stop asking. I just want to come to God. Remember when you were a kid, you used to go to your parents and just bother them. If you're a parent now, maybe this happens. Just, Dad, can I do this? Dad, can I do this? Can I do this? Can I do this? Eventually, Dad's like, man, just go do it. (laughs) I want to be like that with God. I want to get in the face of God, get on my knees before him and say, God, I want to believe again. I've been here before, but I want to see something different. Well, you know, this person's doing this, doing that. Now I'm going to love them again. I'm going to forgive them again. I'm going to trust them again. One day, Peter came up to Jesus, say, hey, Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone? Seven times? Seventy times? No, 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 70 times seven. He's not telling him, forgive him, you know, 490 times or whatever it is. He's just saying, keep doing it again. Okay? Because after you do something so many times, you don't think about yourself when you do it. You're just like, nah, this is bigger than me. I got to do this again so that they'll do it again. And they got to do it again so their families can do it again. And your family's got to do it again so their friends and neighbors can do it again. Can we be a body that goes after things, not just once, not just twice, but as many times as it takes to see the glory of God fall in our community? I want to do it again. Jesus lays his hands on him, says, you see anything? I see people like trees walking. If I was Jesus in that moment, I probably would have been like, well, that's good enough. That's better than how it used to be. God never wants you to have better. He wants you to have the best. So he looks at us and says, if you're willing to let me do it again, I'll do it again. I got to get an again in my spirit. So he prays for him again. The Bible says his eyes open up, his sight was restored, and he can see it now. He could see it clearly. What, 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 what's cluttering your vision today? What, what is one thing in your life that is stopping you from seeing things how it should be? There's an again here today, and his name is Jesus. Got to get an again in my spirit. To see people, see things clearly, I got to let people help me. Let Jesus hold me. Get planted in posture. Number four, get an again in my spirit. And number five, get some new habits. Get some new habits. 
Verse 26 says, and he sent him to his home. And he said, do not even enter the village. I love that. He's like, I brought you out of that village. I healed you. Don't even go back to that place. Hmm. New seasons require new environments, which require new mindsets. Jesus is telling this parable one time, and he says, who puts new wine in old wineskins? In those days, they would carry wine in these, these like bag-like things. They were skins, and they would pour the wine in. And, and when a wineskin was old, the wine was so potent, it was so strong that it would burst the skin and go all over the floor. So we want the new wine. But Jesus says, I'm not going to give you the new wine until you've got the new wineskin. So you want a new breakthrough, let me give you some new habits. You want the new miracle, let me make sure you have the capacity to receive it. He does this miracle for this man. You can imagine this man seeing everything. Oh my gosh, I see it. I see it. This is incredible. Whoo! How about this? If he would have healed the man in the city, the first thing that the man would have saw was a bunch of people that were already doubting Jesus. If he would have healed him right there when all the crowd was there, these were the people that neglected Jesus, Bethsaida. If he would have healed him, he would have opened his eyes. And he would say, oh, doubter, 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 doubter. You neglected Jesus. These are the first people I see. But Jesus is so considerate that he brings him to an environment where the first thing he's going to see is not going to be doubt. <laughs> he brings him to an environment where he's not going to fall backwards once he sees again. He brings him to an environment outside of the city. Are you willing to get away from all the stuff so that he can show you what he wants to show you? Because I've learned this. Usually God shows me stuff when no one's watching. Usually God shows me stuff when there is no microphone and there is no lights and there is no cameras. No, God shows me it when it's just me and him. And I see it. I go, I get it. I got I to gotta change. I got to go apologize. You heard Alberto. I got to go apologize to my lady. I got to do this. I got to do that. Something about seeing it changes how you'll speak it. And today, I'm going to pray for you to see something you never saw. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this man. Thank you for his story. For some reason, it ended up in the Gospel of Mark. Today, I pray that you'd remind people that you're the one that helps men see. You are the one that brings light to what we're looking at. And so this morning, I ask that you would bring light to our lives so we can see things like we've never seen them before. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Instagram by using at destiny.southbay. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.